Hands, it's time once more, and for the very last time, for myself, Lorca Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, to discuss the ITV return to the world of professional wrestling based in the British Isles with World of Sport Wrestling, WOS, as we recap the final two episodes. Uh, the reason for the delay in this record, so that you didn't get episode 9 this time last week, uh, was that I was off on my travelling adventures up the Scottish Highlands, basically, at that time. I'm sure to find out where Robbie X lives, weren't you? No, <laughs> not really. Uh, episode 9 was... Um, yeah, episode 9 was... Um, I was in a bar in Inverness. I was actually having a nice haddock and chips. I just arrived in Inverness, which is a lovely city. I'd recommend you all visit there. And because that's uh, how I know it was um, on even earlier, because you were on like the lunchtime thing, yes, and um, yes. you messaged me. They've moved the slot again. That's yeah, like... it was on at two thirty, I think maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, I was watching. I watched it on. Um, I watched the first two thirds. I was actually scribbling down notes on a napkin, but I like problem was I had one of those thicker uh, pens. It wasn't a fountain pen, but it was like a thick rollable pen, so it was sort of smudgy. It's one of the few times where actually having a you had rollable Rocco as a pen. Yes, very much so. <laughs> I wonder if that's what he named him after. <laughs> <laughs> I hate uh, ballpoint pens or biros as the uh, brand name that you would attach to it. Never been a fan. Never been a fan. This is going to be our Captain America Civil War moment because I love Byros. I love Bix. Bix are my fave. I can't stand them. They always seem like they're on the verge of running out from the moment you start writing with them. <sighs> they're just so smooth. The, the only thing that's the nice writing on a bi- with a Byro is a banana. Writing with a, bana- with a Byro onto a banana is a surprisingly pleasant sensation. I learned that from a comedy show I saw this year at the Edinburgh Fringe. Okay, I was going to say, does that come up a lot? No. <laughs> He wanted right. suggestions, and so we wrote them on a banana with a biro. And fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, we've been reading. This, this is a wrestling podcast. Yeah, it, ha- it is. <laughs> um, we've only got, even though we're covering two shows, uh, we're only covering four matches this time. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, it should hopefully nice. be a reasonable length of time, uh, because for the, I guess for the finale, they were. This is where they're wrapping up all the big storylines. So. In episode 9, we have the final of all the women's matches on the show. I'm just trying to tot it up in my head. There was the original Triple Threat, the aborted Priestley Kaylee Ray match, the Battle Royal, um, Kaylee Ray and Priestley in the mixed tag match, the number one contenders match between Viper and Aisha. And this match, there were six matches in total, I believe, for the women's division. Um, it's not bad. It could have been better. This is the almost in a way the way that this has been treated is almost a summary of how much of a relative afterthought the women have been on this show. Because basically Kaylee Ray and Viper try to make an epic title match within the time restraints of what is given to pretty much all matches at this point. It only lasts one segment. So the match can I didn't time any of these matches, um, but I would have been surprised if it went longer than eight minutes, at least in its edited version. But they were th- sort of throwing everything at each other and trying to get their shit in, as it were, um, over as uh, a short space of time as they were. It's when she to. went for the, like the finisher. I think within like the first minutes and ninety seconds, it's like, oh, okay. Well, I think in, uh, in fairness, a lot of it's a good idea to do that, I think, especially when you're in front of a new audience. 
because mm. it sort of signifies what the important like that's the move that they're desperately trying to avoid so that you know okay that's the important move yeah that we should keep attention keep remember when that happens later on like if i was a wrestler just going out cold in front of an audience i probably would try to do a version of my finisher early in the match and then another time in the middle of the match so that when i hit it at the end of the match if i'm going to win you kind of know what it that's, is yeah so and and I guess because they weren't given that much time, um, really, Kaylee Ray and Viper are the only ones that got to use finishing moves. Um, Viper with the Michinoku driver that she did on um, Aisha in her uh, contenders match, but Kaylee Ray won again. They've made uh, Kaylee Ray a very dominant figure on in the division in the roster. Um, uh, technically, they, this this would Viper make Viper three times in a row, basically. Yeah, I was going to say, a Viper she, is Owen free against Kaylee. Yeah, she pinned her in the triple threat match. She was the one that eliminated Viper at the end of the Battle Royal, and then she pins her again in this one, all with the gory bomb. So Viper... Wouldn't that um, make it four? Because I swear they had a singles title match earlier in the season. No, they didn't. There was there was a singles title match between her and B Priestley that Viper interrupted, where Aisha then made her debut afterwards, and there was a big brawl, and Bennett announced the Battle Royal. Simon's consulting his notes here. I'm almost certain there was a, unless I've misremembered, yeah, which is possible. All right, talk amongst yourselves, guys. No, well, I was thinking like <laughs> because we were talking about the ratings, we'll talk about it more. But technically, I, I guess I should have won that bet that we laid because they did move time slots and they did go under five hundred thousand. <laughs> so... I, I thought when um, I think we thought in our heads if they were going to try and move this time slot they were going to try and put it deeper into the weekend not earlier. Well I guess that if they're still going for a family and children's audience an old ladies audience then you would want it earlier rather than later. So I guess that would I think if you're not time. sport you're and you're on on a Saturday afternoon, you're really up against but, it. But anyway, the women, they had a good match for what they had, what they could be given. Basically, as good a match as you can have in eight minutes with little to work with. I'm shocked, <laughs> that they, I'm shocked at the way they've treated Viper throughout the whole series. Like, if I was in charge, I would have built the division around her as the top babyface. Because she'd just done that documentary... I think she's a great figure for what's important. You know, everyone's trying to uh, emphasize body positivity and, and things like that. May Young like, Classic experience as May well. May Young Classic experience. I think, you know, I wouldn't say that she's the best worker out of all of them. I think Ray, Priestley, and Viper are all very good at what they do. But I just think she'd be the one that would get the, the, the attention. And she'd be the one that would get, especially in like, you know, now all the sort of, if you want to get attention from like the Guardians and the lefty liberals at this time, they've all a fair amount of them probably watch Glow and enjoyed that, and you know the sort of women sisters doing it for themselves sort of angle that that has. Um, I just think that the Viper story of her as a woman that would not necessarily have been seen as conventional for a good girl. You know, you look at the history of like the Klondike Kate and the way that Crater's being treated in giant haystacks. Like, the larger person is always seen as villainous, and that's exactly what they did with Viper. I yeah. feel like they could have done something different with that. Like like I said, a body positivity, you know, healthy in all sizes and all that sort of stuff. I just the trouble like is... That was rest- a logical way to get a mainstream audience's attention. The trouble is with wrestling, traditionally, is, like, when they have, like, giants that they want people to like, they, 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 there's a tendency to try and make them funny. 
Yeah, but I don't think you have to do that. Well, you can make her be witty. Like, yeah. you'll make a joke or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just saying people take it too to far. You know what I mean? They, they lay the shtick on so thick with, like, shy well, yeah. times. The, the shtick's laid on thick throughout, especially there are several instances of Shane just, Alex Shane just going completely overboard with his hyperbole in the show, which is understandable, but sometimes it just makes your eyes roll with how far he takes it. Um, but yeah, just the key thing is these women weren't given in a lot to work with. And like, like I said, every other match in these four, sh- in this force, in these last eight segments were given two segments or oh. more to do their stuff. So it's kind of insulting to the women yet again. I think the women have been quite poorly treated in all honesty by this series. Um, Viper I think they're, got uh, one the- promo backstage that lasted 15 seconds. We never once heard Kaylee Ray's voice. And she was who they built the promotion around. Yeah, I do think the women were like the least well-written division, hands down. Um, it's, it's really annoying because the... There is potential there, like, but I guess in their head, they've always had the main two arcs. Like, it seems to me they've written from the end backwards, you know, which is a, a um, Jay often said you start from the finish and work backwards with matches. Mm. I think, but then it, sorry, go on. But then it just seems to have, like, crowbarred little bits into the story to make it fit. Like, it didn't always run smooth. Yeah. It's like we've talked about just in size and um, we're, we're gaining a number one. As time goes on, yeah. Which we'll get to as time goes on. But he had a number one contendership spot about episode four or five, and we've we've talked about it in previous yeah. episodes. Let's, let's stay focused on the women's match for now um, and the women's treatments. Uh, they, I think they felt like they couldn't do much with them because of the depleted roster that they themselves even brought up. Way Barrett saying, "Oh, Priestley and and Kaylee Ray have to wrestle each other loads because there aren't that many women around," and it's just that might. Well, be that's true, not true. It, within the world of sport, <laughs> sport, sport it is. It's true, and I don't but know it, how it many that... of them were signed because obviously WWE had their hands on Tony Storm, um, Ginny, uh, Zia Brookside, but I'm sure there are other women. I don't know the women's uh, oh Nixon Newell as well. But I, you know, I, some where they get some of these people from is always a bit of a surprise to me with the world of sport. Like, there's obviously like like we say with some some pleasant surprises like Robbie X and um, some middling surprises like Liam Slater, um, or Adam Max, Adam Maxted as well. Well, no, I mean Adam Maxted, I think had a bit of a reputation before this, didn't he? I don't know. Mm. Um, but anyway. The women weren't given enough. The women could have been given more. If by some miracle a second season of WOS happens, what would you do with the women's division? What do you think they could do with the women's division? Other than give them more promos and everything. I think you need a new woman. Yeah. Um, I think because Kelly Ray's sort of beaten everyone, uh, unless you sort of get... By pinfall. Cleanly, no. It's sort of just a non mixed tag match. Yeah. But uh, just the way that Priestley sort of was brushed aside and Priestley was sort of cheapened somewhat by being Will Ospreay's girlfriend in this, I feel. Uh, not through her fault of her own, far from it. I think the writing uh, like focused on that a little bit too much. And we didn't get to see her character develop 
a great deal. Um, it's tough because we... All right, this is assuming if we had control, we'd do what we've always said that should have been done and was done in these two episodes, and there would be less matches per show. Yeah, fewer matches. Um, you've got two routes. New Woman or Build Up Aisha to take on uh, Kaylee Ray. Mm. Now, those those are my two outs yeah. from the, where the writing is now. I think, I think if you were to bring in a new woman, uh, I think you should go to Japan and get someone from Stardom, uh, one of the top stars there. Um, and Purely yeah. because we don't have any... The, the tr- we don't have any foreign stylings. Yeah. on world of sport yeah that's true and i think that was a, that was a big lost opportunity they had there and um well which they made up for in the later on in this episode almost but i definitely think there could have been one or two i always thought colt cabana would have been a great fit on world of sports he'd have loved it yeah but anyway let's move on now so him versus martin kirby yeah oh. so we've had the women the women have had their chance not much of a chance but they've you know you can get what you can get and now we go on to what is the rest of the show which is the, as Stu Bennett announces it, the Buzzer Battle, which <laughs> isn't the greatest name in the world. I, I described it as sounding like a game show hosted by Ben Shepard. But, you know, ITV1 audience, that is the people... Do you have an irrational hatred of tipping point? <laughs> no, well, it seems crazy that, that that's like almost as bad as Heads or Tails with Justin Lee Collins for ridiculous <laughs> game shows, you know? I love um, a, I love a good game show. I do. My favourite thing with like outlandish game show things, and this might help for some of our international list- listeners uh, slash American base, is uh, that little bit in Thirty Rock where um, uh, Kenneth comes up with the idea of Gold Case, yes. and at the end they shoot the pilot for Gold Case with John McEnroe, which yeah. is brilliant in itself. <laughs> it's just that model struggling with the big Gold Case. It's like, oh, gold is super heavy. <laughs> No, what's the? I'm just trying to find the other uh, 30, 30 Rock game show I loved. Hom, homonyms, Thirty Rock's homonyms. <laughs> oh, it's like if you told me Deal or No Deal was like, a, a, if you pitch that in any like room, ninety nine times out of a hundred they go, "What the fuck are you on about? Get out!" Um, but yeah, go. The point is, British people will watch anything if there's a quiz element to it. Oh God, I will. I love a good <laughs> quiz. Me. Maybe. How would you do a pro wrestling quiz? Like a quiz involving pro wrestlers? Because you can't. Like I always thought, Big Break doesn't get the praise it um, deserves as a as a fun game show to incorporate snooker. And obviously, distraction. Bullseye is a classic. Yeah. The closest I've seen is um, Jimmy Carr's distraction, where um, some wrestlers performed moves on the contestants as the contestants were oh. um, being asked questions. Samoa Joe was one of the wrestlers. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I remember um, there was also Feel the Sportsman on They Think It's All Over. Uh, Jake the Snake Roberts was one of the ones they did that on. And there's also one on the uh, YouTube channel College Humor, where the game was wrestling move or cocktail drink. And they were told different wrestling move. They were told the titles of things, and they had to figure out if it was a wrestling move or a name of a cocktail. If it was a cocktail and they got it right, they got to drink the cocktail. But if it was a wrestling move and they got it wrong, they had to receive the wrestling move from a pro wrestler. Yeah. So it was it things wasn't like just the, uh, the, the muscle buster and things like that. Yeah. 
Speaking of the muscle bus, it wasn't just Samoa Joe and Distraction. Uh, you had Frankie Kazarian and Curry Man. So was this an American show? Was this when Jimmy no. Carter was trying to crack no, the no, America? No, no, this was cha- this was Channel Four. Oh, okay. I, th- I think they were all over. They must here. have been over for a TNA tour. Yeah, just mental. Mm. Um, but anyway, the buzzer battle. So the concept. Did you get the concept? How it worked? It was. It was pretty much a combo of four gimmicks. I had to rewind it once yeah. because I was scribbling the notes and I'm like, hang on, what? So it was basically a combo of Survivor Series, War Games, the Royal Rumble, and Torneo Cibernetico, which is a Mexican uh, variant of the Survivor Series match, um, where you have, like, you can be, like, a huge team of, like, it's, like, ten against ten, but there's only, like, two-on-two tag team matches going on at any one point. So that when one member of the team gets eliminated, then another person from that per- so, so it's always uh, four on okay. four, but you've got to you know it's winner stays. There's always four men like in the ring. Stays on, yeah. Well, but, not yeah, in the ring. Like Survivor. There's, there's always a tag team match going on. Right. But it's not like all nine other people are on the outside uh, that can be tagged in. Only one person can be tagged in. Okay, so it's like a tag gauntlet, but not with different teams. Yeah, I guess. Well, again, it's another one of those cross between this and that. So it was like okay. the Survivor Series in that it was an elimination match. It was War Games in that there were two stages to it, you know, the match beyond, essentially, as indicated yeah. like when it went to the final eight, that there was like the big sirens wailing, and that was kind of a clear War Games thing. Royal Rumble because of random entrances, and the Torneo Cibernetico because, like I said, it's an elimination match that's going along. And the top rope elimination as well. Yeah, well, that's the Battle Royal, Royal Rumble element to yeah. it as well. So, I mean, it's derivative, but it's one of those ones where it's derivative of so many things... It almost becomes its own new thing, like a Quentin Tarantino movie or yeah. something like that, you know? I liked it. I, as a concept, uh, it took me a while, yeah. but... I thought this was the best thing WOS did on their entire run. <sighs> okay. I've it, been quite to say the second was, best thing. It was, so what will be your first? Is the first still to come, or...? first is still to come. Okay. It was well-paced. It had... Stories within stories. That's one of the things I always love about Royal Rumbles and that, that there are storylines going on within the other stories and like gradual changes. It allowed a wider range of characters to appear and there was there was actually a sense of okay, they have been able to make some clear characters at this point. That yeah. there was an ebb and a flow to it. I like the f- finishing sequence between Justin Sizem and Crater. Uh, it reminded me of like Hulk Hogan and Earthquake in the '91 Royal Rumble and those sort of things. Um, I just liked it. I liked that there was stories within it. There was, and and also I liked that because it was a, a Stu Bennett's whims that that meant that the pace would change about, and that also you didn't have that kind of because the Royal Rumbles so often you get people moaning about oh it's not exactly two minutes that one was one minute forty five and then the next one was two minutes seven and you couldn't have that and it even led yeah. to stories within the commentary booth of you know J- B- uh, Bennett not doing anything because Grado's taking a beating and so Calval is so uh, disgusted that buzzer. she pushes the buzzer I thought that was a great little moment and it to be Davy Boy as well when yeah. she slams the bus. And also just um, Stevie Boy and BT Gum being forced against each other—that classic sort of demolition <sighs> thing. And the, they the, played that really well. Yeah, it was that that neither of them was able to really get a hit on the other one because they knew each other too well, so they were dodging each other's attacks the whole time. But that Kip Sabian, and then Kip Sabian being making a dick him. of all dicks during that whole thing. 
<laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah. Such a beautiful little like heel thing to and do. And trying to get um, BT Gun to pin Stevie Boy after they'd hit their finisher. You know, yeah. just to be dicks. I think because the match was so such of its own thing in a way it allowed people to like have their characters come out more if yeah. that makes sense yeah they were given they, were... they had time and they were they were interacting with so many other people that there was fun interactions like there was a moment where nathan cruz was dealing with crater as a partner but he also knew that like he'd be an opponent later on or something like yeah. that yeah i almost wondered like you could have done a fun thing of the heels like say it was down to like you could have done it like say it was like six heels to three faces or something yeah, but you one was crazy. One of the and the kind of like the weakest link. How you vote out the strongest link in the yeah. second to last round? They could have all just beaten up Crater and then given it to the baby faces to <laughs> to get the final pin on them. And of yeah, course, I mean, sorry, go on. Yeah, they didn't really play up on on Crater a great deal until the. I think Crater was sort of underutilized in the, in this well, the uh, battle. Crater really is that he kind of picks his battles and he doesn't actually feel like doing that much. He's there is that great moment where that aisle when people tag him in or when people expect him to wrestle or something like that. Yeah, you know? it's a great moment where everyone is scrapping um, right at the bottom of the entrance ramp, and Crater just turns his body about ninety to a hundred degrees just to watch. Yeah. He's just chilling. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it goes on. There's this, like I said, storylines within storylines. Sabian and and Reese being dicks to um, uh, BT Gun and, and Stevie Boy, and then them brawling uh, with Grado and the British Bulldog Junior, and to the point that the referee disqualifies all four of them. Or did they that get was a... counted out? We don't know. Oh, we don't... it was both. Actually, we what? do. Yeah, it's both. What does that mean? What is that? <laughs> that was just like, ah, oh, we have too many people. Yeah. Um, and then the battle royal goes. Oh, and then we get Moose, our surprise entrance. Um, I thought Moose really. Pre- oh, and the the, the, the one blind the black spot was holding Nathan Cruz attacking Adam Maxted and. And then um, explained. And then it was going. He's not even an official entrant in this match. Oh, that right. is fine. <laughs> I'm light on numbers. Yeah. <laughs> if he's took one out, I've got to have him in. The thing that I didn't get was the ones that were left out, which were Will Ospreay, which is understandable, but Joe Hendry and Martin Kirby. That's a fair point. Yeah. Unless they weren't there for that final day of filming or something. I don't know. But I would have thought they would have been great little they would have been great little additions to the match. And that would have been another storyline in yeah, of itself. I think it would have been a better use than, you know, no offence to them, Liam Slater and Gabriel Kidd or something. I would have loved to have seen Martin Kirby go for the, Zo- uh, the Zoyberg elbow and then just get absolutely yeah. drop-kicked into oblivion. And, and that eliminates him from the match. Yeah. 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 Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Seems quite insulting in a way that two of the better performers weren't involved in that match. I did like the eliminated graphic. Whenever someone got eliminated, we saw them in black and white with an eliminated stamp on them. Yeah. Again, no name. The the thing that I don't get is the no names, the no name graphics. Because I was, like I said, before I watched World of Sport, I caught the final episode of the series of Ninja Warrior UK. And in that show, they filmed little interview segments with the people before they did the assault course. And they were given name graphics so that you knew their names. And you cared. And you cared more. I just don't get... They even know to do it on Ninja Warrior UK. But they don't do it on WOS. 
Well, here's the thing, and I'm, I'm linking this all back to game shows again, but the reason we're getting these sort of weirder and weirder concepts is because we're sort of like, we're more like afraid of the abnormal, but the war sort of mundane ones like your bog standard obstacle courses which is weird to say that the more more mundane quiz slash challenge shows now one of the ways they've been getting around it is the character development you look at richard hammond's commentary in total wipeout he makes you like he, he he makes you either laugh along or cheer on the guys you know he makes or breaks the people craig charles to cash's castle same thing like the key bit is we're given a reason to care about these guys, whether or not it's funny or not. Mm. Uh, yeah. But Ninja Warrior, you know. Well, Alex Even X Factor has yeah. dead nans. Well, Alex Shane has some disparaging remarks to say about, like, baby faces at some points. Like, in the, in the next show's match with the um, Grado and Bulldog, he suggests calling Grado the Scottish Bullfrog. And yeah. I just feel like that should have been something that either Bennett says or no one says. <laughs> <laughs> Bennett or no one yeah, or, like or Kip that. Sabian could have said it maybe you yeah. know um, I've never really understood what Alex Shane's role was entirely on the show and someone said like the three commentators is like three colour commentators uh, the, the, I had a glass smash moment with my other half which is like oh that's he sounds like is that Stephen Mulhern doing that I'm like no so she insists um you know the guy used to do all the magic tricks, and he does. Oh, does he do he presents cat's phrase now. Yeah, I yes, know, I know, I know. Yeah, she insists that Alex Shane sounds like him, and now I can't really unhear it. Mm. I wouldn't know his his voice well enough to know that was right or wrong. And why is general, that? It's probably just like a general <laughs> Essex Dagenham thing, I suppose. But yeah, it is. Did you up there as well? It is because I don't have my TV tuned in. Thank you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I did. I did watch Catchphrase at my mum's the other day, and I do remember him because he was like on the telly when I was young, uh, and still had it tuned in. And, so, what is, who was that? Well, that was the uh, Northern Irish fella, Roy Castle. That's Unless him. there was someone between then. I yeah. Um, but yeah, it was um, not much more to add. Nathan Cruz being reinstated was dumb. The, the spot, to be fair, it's not just WOS that do it, but when someone who's eliminated then eliminates someone else. What bothers me is that sometimes it applies and sometimes it doesn't apply when it suits them, you know? Like, I remember Vader doing it to Shawn Michaels in 1996 Royal Rumble, and it didn't count. And but then uh, Kane eliminated CM Punk. Yeah. In that, well, it, count, it didn't well, the count. the most egregious one is like, and in fairness, it's because... Um, Alex Riley screwed up and got eliminated when he shouldn't have been. But when The Miz literally ran into the ring and eliminated John Cena, <laughs> with the refs like, yep, that's how it works. <laughs> you know? Over the top. Yeah. Anyway, that's just that's just a grievance against wrestling in general, I suppose. But again, WOS. It's not, like it's not, not doing WOS anything problem. to endear themselves to me by trying to improve upon that. They just walked right into the bad cliche as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, any much uh, moose moose. Oh, do you have anything you want to add before then? It's a tough one, the eliminated one, because it's such an obvious thing to do. It becomes too obvious, and that's why it's contrite, I think. Mm. Um, but no, um, to hop on your point, um, your segue to moose. Um, 
I really thought he went, got over well with the crowd, which was good. I don't know how much of that was organic. Moose thing, the the yeah. the, po- the, the arm chug and the moose. Yeah. He looked like a star. He looked bigger than pretty much everyone in the whole match. He was even the big guys like Justin Sizem. He looked a couple of inches taller than him. How tall is he? Like six foot six, six foot five, six foot seven. Something like that. He was. He came up short against Crater, but only by a couple of inches. Are you sure? I think he was taller than Crater. No, Crater, I think, was slightly taller than him. I'm not entirely sure which way around. Mm. There wasn't much in it, No, is my point. Uh, the way they got eliminated, it's one of those ones where they eliminate themselves a lot more. You know, it's just one of those little things. I don't mind. It seemed like it was almost, again, almost like a slight waste of moose, but also it didn't... F- I can't imagine that it would have felt like a big deal to nearly everyone that watches it because they have no idea who Moose is. Unless Moose is in for Season 2. Yeah, well, Moose, I think, will be a fine addition for Season 2. Um, I thought if he did a good happens. job. I think he kind of again. It was one of those ways. The way that he was so charismatic, and also the way that he did a lot of the hard lift, the heavy lifting, and then it was just in Sizem that got the the win. It was another sign of how they're not necessarily doing just in Sizem any favors. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they sort of tried of out, to. You get sort of outshone charisma wise by Moose, and then it's like the Roman sleeping situation. You know, he gets knocked, the wind knocked out of him. But, you know, he doesn't even get re- revenge on Shah Samuels and CJ Banks. They get eliminated by Moose. And then Justin Sizem gets to just go one-on-one against um, Crater. Crater. He does beat, and they do the classic, goes for the slam, gets splashed, and then he slams him again. You know, he, yeah. do it. he does it on the second try. And he got him up well. I mean, I know yeah. it's obviously it's a move where the recipient does a lot of work, but it looked, it looked great mm. as, as a move. Yeah. Um, so Justin Sizem wins and becomes number one contender, which he technically was already. But there we go. We've we've beaten that horse to death. And then um, we get a Justin Sizem promo. Ah, until this point, all we'd ever heard him say was "fantastic, fantastic." And so he <sighs> he said he kind of gives a classic kind of um, striker after winning a two-one game or something. It was touching yeah. go there for a minute. But you know, we'll do it. We we want to make the fans, we want to make the fans proud of what we what we've achieved. You know, all that kind of stuff. But I'll take a bland face promo over no promo at all. I you know I, I thought for what he for what he I the post the immediate post match promos I've never been a great fan of. I think they used at the wrong time in certain promotions. Um, this this is one where it would work because a big things just happened. Um, I, I don't. If Sizen isn't the most charismatic guy at, in the roster, yeah. well, well, we'll talk more about Sizen at the end of the next episode, I think. Um, but like I said, I liked Buzzer Battle a lot. It was give, it was done over three three segments. They were given time. It was a concept that wasn't unique in its ideas, but like I said, it, enough old ideas were put together to make it feel almost new. Um, stories within stories. No one looked bad coming out of it. Uh, Robbie X again was very like he got the fans. The fans were chanting for Robbie to get involved in the match when he was on the apron. He was superb. I mean, I, if there is a season two, I hope he does actually get thrown into like a title shot kind of thing. If there isn't a season two, I would be shocked if he's not already about to be signed up to do shows for Rev Pro, Progress, Preston City Wrestling, ICW. I think, he's... and if he's doing um things like Progress. You can, um, WWE UK can always make sure he faces one of their guys and scout him. The only thing Robbie X needs to do is have an improved look. 
the mask is a bit naff. The physique isn't much to look at, even in a you know, and there aren't all that many impressive physiques. But even then, it's like if he can improve his look a bit, then he's off to the races. I think he's very short. I think he's about five yeah. six by the looks of it. But um, that's part of his appeal, I guess. Uh, so yeah, that was episode nine. Should we just go straight into episode ten? Is there anything else you want to add before then? Uh, no, I think you've summed, summed it all, all quite neatly. I think it was just an incubator, really, for a lot of feuds. Um, and it well, was got us we, to a natural kid. It was the last time we saw pretty much three quarters of the roster. We didn't see yeah. the Crater in the next episode. We didn't see Gabriel Kidd, Liam Slater, BT Gunn, Stevie Boy. Max Dead and Cruz. Uh, no, we didn't see them either. No, that's true. Um, Which is weird, considering like where you'd gone with it, hmm. in a sense. Well, in, in but, the storyline, like Bennett says, now he's, still, he's about... still gone. He's still banned. It... But then Max said, "Would surely want like an unsanctioned." Yeah, I guess that would be the storyline. Yeah, he could insist that he wants him back. Yeah, just so again or something. That's always how it goes. Yeah. It's a oh, it's a really 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 fiddly one though, because at the moment now we're asking we're we're going against our grain. We were like, oh, there should have been more in the last episode, and we've asked for less and less. Well, so... we'll, get, we'll get into I'll be aware that I'm going to say something that will be entirely hypocritical against what I had previously said uh, when we get to it. Um, but shall we go on to episode 10? Let's move on. Again, two matches. Uh, essentially a two-segment, uh, four-segment show. Both matches given two segments each. We had, well, one was given two and a half segments, essentially. Uh, like the they will do the storyline and build up entrances and then break and then we go to the match. That was what happened with the tag team match, which was between Kip Sabian and Yestin Reese against Grado and British Bulldog Junior. Yes, uh, and as as they come to the ring, um, um, Bennett is asked why he's giving Grado a shot, yeah. uh, and then he comes up with a line which is painfully ironic. Yeah. Um, Viewing figures go through the roof when Grado is on. They go from eight to ten. <laughs> yeah, I mean this 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 episode, for those who don't know, pulled in an overnight viewing of zero point two million. They started off with about a million to zero point nine. They lost almost eighty percent of their viewers over the course of the series in the space of ten weeks. That's bad. I don't know anyone who can survive that. No. Of any like. But we'll get Format. we'll get we'll get to the autopsy when we when we're done. Um, this match was so I'm guessing you thought this was the best thing on the of the series. This match, no. Um, oh wow, we're gonna have a real conflicting debate coming up. <laughs> um, I thought it was a really good match. Don't get me wrong, um, a really good effort. Like uh, Sabian, I like, I really like Kip Sabian. I really do. I he think did, he did a great little bit where he was making the ref strip the belt from his waist. Yeah, he was sort of wiggling. He's just great being a. He's just a great. Just he's a he's a dickhead. He's a great, great dickhead. dickhead heel who's backed up by his big mates and so yeah. he's able to run his mouth. And that's relatable. We yeah. all know someone like that. Yeah. <laughs> all mouth, no trousers. Yeah. Uh, or in this case, all mouth, some trousers. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not much more to add about the match. Like all the tag team matches have been really well worked and basic, decent tag team psychology. Nothing particularly new. They had Grado kick out of the finisher. Yeah. Which was interesting. I don't know which way you want to go with Was it? it. Uh, I can't remember if it was like a... character to be, you know, 
all heart, and that means that he will kick out of moves that other people won't kick out of. Um, but then, like, the story is that Grado is, like, he's, he's the underdog. He's, like, almost like the one, two, three kid in the old days, in that he can get wins, but they're always a bit of a surprise. But he wins by just not giving up. I don't know. I don't know. I think underestimated rather than underdog would sum up Grado. Because, like, Stevie Boy was out for about 20 seconds before he finally got pinned when they hit him with that finisher. And Grado can kick out of it at two, you know? It's... I think that's more they couldn't get to... I just don't think they followed the logic through. Um, I think a bit more of a delayed cover would have helped protect the finisher somewhat. Well, like I said, if it was a long-term booking thing, I would still build a tag team. Like, if there was a season two, I would still build the tag team around Sabian and Reese. Yeah. So I would have them win the belts back early on in season two if I could. And, cha- uh, yeah, maybe with, like, a Davy Boy Hill turn on Grado. I don't know if you'd even need to have a Davy Boy Hill turn. I think you could do something along the lines of Grado getting injured again, kind of like the Max Dead Cruise thing. And maybe him insisting that Davy Boy go his own way because he's holding him back. Maybe. You know, I don't think they all. Every... Grado could get away with doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, every well. tag team doesn't need to split up because of you know. <laughs> See, that's me falling into lazy booking again. Yeah, yeah, you are. Um... <laughs> wow. <laughs> also, that like the long-running storyline of this episode is essentially Stu Bennett's face turn. Essentially, yeah, because he's over in the Grado. show. Really, like he he gives a Grado a, a round of applause when he wins the match. And then, obviously, what happens at the end of the final episode, uh, the final match segment. Um, so yeah, I uh, I don't actually have that much more to add. It was good. It was. It was good. It was a good tag team match done by four of the better performers of the show's run. Yeah, I will say. Um, what? Well, well, I will say one negative thing, but it's not anything new. Mm. Uh, and I, it does. It did apply to the last episode as well. The camera work has not improved. I've almost become immune to it. There weren't there weren't any ones as obnoxious as like the look at that escape from Joe Hendry, but you don't show the escape. You know. Yeah. I... It is what it is. Um, I that, feel that that women's match seems to always, the women's match always seem to get that long distance over the shoulder shot. Yeah, where you can't see. I don't know why they reserve that for the women's matches, but that's what always happens. There was sort of a great one, like a really weird. I don't know how it sits with me. I think it was in the um. It's either, it's, I can't remember which one it was, but it's one of Sizen's been thrown out to the floor, and then someone films him from the apron down. Oh, okay, it's just a bit of a weird it's, shot. It's always weird to me when they show ones that actually seem to emphasize where they've gone wrong with a move. Like like when they show Justin like when Justin Sizem did that suicide dive in the first episode and catches his feet on the ropes and nearly died. Nearly died. Imagine how much they would have had to have changed that if he'd have. Jesus. You know the whole series would have gone wrong then. Um, it was yeah. Whereas with this one, there was a moment where Grado is sort of sat up when Kip Sabian's about to do a slingshot leg drop. And when yeah. he hits him, it's just really awkward. And the camera seems to like, it's like a close-up on Grado and on the leg drop landing awkwardly on him. You know, it's just, those are things where you can do an audience cutaway and so we don't see something going wrong. Yeah. So it's... again, it makes you think that like the people in the editing bay maybe don't know anything about wrestling and there's no wrestling, you know, because when, when a producer is 
when when the match is being shown live, it's either Kevin Dunn or the producer of that segment that's deciding what cameras we're looking at and we're looking from. Yeah, it's 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 obvious that the camera people aren't wrestling orientated, um, and it's been obvious either the camera or the editing people. Uh, to be fair, um, I don't necessarily blame the camera men that they're sent out to get the footage. Yeah. Well, the editing I, I blame this. looked very similar to how Ninja Warrior UK was done. Yeah, and the aesthetic think... and the dis- and the and the production was very but similar. So it's very in house. Not... It's obviously very ITV. Yeah, in-house. it's not just ITV though. It's like uh, quicker, quick cuts are being used. Um, I think Daredevil on Netflix got an absolute panning from loads of people for the le- volume of quick cuts it That's uses a in fight kind scenes. Of quick cutting though, there's live event quick cutting and there's you know movie quick cutting. Yeah, but that one, I think one's begatting the other to, a, to, to, an, a, to an extent. To a point. But, I mean, obviously the most classic example of uh, quick cutting is, I'm sure you've seen it, that bit from Taken 2, I think, when Liam Neeson goes over a, a fence and it takes about 25 cuts to show it all happening. Um, yeah. I love it. Some people just love spamming the gear, the button. So what can I say? We move on to not only the main event of the episode, but the main event of the entire series. While it's all been building up to, and, and we get a pre-match package. Yes, we do get a pre-match package with a yeah. Uh, what about what are we showing the package? They they sort of lightly acknowledge the number one contenders match, but don't really talk that much about it. Because, <laughs> Thought this happened. You see right, him. You see him thread. hit the. You see him hit his discus lariat, a.k.a. spinning forearm move to um, Nathan Cruz that won him that match. But, yeah. Not explain what significance that had. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so... It's one of those things, I think if you, I think they realise if you pull at that thread, the whole thing's going like, to so, unravel a bit. So it looks like we're going to have conflicting opinions on this, because it seems like you're saying this was the best thing the show did. Um, I think from a storyline point of view, they they set their table. I think maybe I think maybe I'm blinkered because this is the first thing I've seen like them do a proper beginning, middle, and end to. Whereas frequently throughout the series, I've um, they've skipped bits here, mm. they've skipped bits here, they've yeah. skipped stages here. This is one thing they haven't skipped stages with, and may and this is the only match that had a pre-match package. Yeah, maybe maybe I accept that maybe I'm looking at things. I'm picking the best of a bad bunch in some senses. And because these things had thing had uh, parts that have been missing from other parts, I'm just viewing it as better because it's more yeah. complete as a form of storytelling. I realize. But, uh, Sorry, go on. And I do accept, I do have a soft spot for baby faces overcoming the odds um, in big title matches. Um, my, uh, Bailey versus even Marie on NXT, Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30, yeah, there's there's loads of others, but those are two that really stick in my mind. Of just like great matches where like it, it's just people getting sh- like someone's just trying everything to shaft someone, and it's just yeah. not happening. Okay, here's what I'll say in response, and I realise I'm essentially contradicting what I've been saying for the entire rest of the run. In that I was saying they should be given more time, give them more time. This was given too much time. It went on too long. It repeated itself too many times, and the length of match expose the limitations of Justin Sizem too much. He basically only has one trick as far as getting the crowd rallying around him. He'll slap a mat and he'll look to the crowd. He has just one move for that all the time. 
His selling is of one, essentially one limited range. Everything's killed him. You know, like he takes one move uh, and almost gets counted out on an eight, and it's a relatively minor move. Rampage does what he can with his sort of bullying power moves, but again, his, his heat segment ran too long for my liking. They went with all they they went with wrestling booking one oh one. Ref bumps, interference, ejected, then they come back, exposing the top turnbuckle. It was it was again, it was just it was a mad libs main event, babyface overcoming the odds match. Where you just put the names in and they're just fitted in anyway. You know, it's like it's like WWE creates a storyline and you got it on random mode. I remember I was in like a faction with Rikishi and Ultimo Dragon and Dragon was our vote like our, our spokesperson. You know, because it's you get where I'm coming from. Yeah, Justin yeah. Sizer has his limitations with some of his moves. Some of his some of his bumps were awkward. He took a Samoan drop really weirdly. He landed right on his side. Is that the semi-running one that had? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really could have cracked a few ribs. Uh, I've never understood his spinning discus lariat forearm thing as a finisher. Because it's not a lariat. It's one of of those moves where you just think, by the time you hit the point of impact, surely you've you've taken a lot of the momentum out of it. He looks great. You know, he looks amazing. He is a phenomenal athlete. I think it's noticeable that he seems to be a man who had, who tried to do a number of other sports and then went into wrestling. Mm. So I think he's someone that's not necessarily a wrestling fanatic, and he's probably someone that follows instructions and might be why the whoever's in charge of this likes him as their main event guy. He reminds me a lot of early, early, early Sting, before like he really started to work that much with Ric Flair and and the Great Muta and all them lot that really molded him into a great wrestler by the early nineties. Yeah, and he has all the genetic tools. And like I said, there are some things like his sprint into the ring first, like that Johnny Gargano spear, but he's coming from the floor is really impressive. Some of his dives aren't so much. He's four fifty. I noticed he actually lands on his feet. Before he does the splash. Now I don't know if that's actually a common thing that other people do to like lessen the impact on the opponents. But it was the first time I'd ever noticed that particularly. He's going to need new knees after a and while if he's not, doing that. Though. Yeah, well anyone that does those sort of moves. Like you know the great Muta, just all those moonsaults fucked his knees up. Or Rey Mysterio. Rey his Mysterio, knees... absolutely. Um, Although well, weirdly, he's yeah. Well, God we don't knows know. what Ricochet's knees are going to be like in a few more years' time, or Marty Skrulls, you know. See what stem cell therapy is like. Then I did my back in the other day combing my hair. <laughs> God, which begs the question. I think I think we need more detail here. Well, you get those knotty ones that you're doing, and you know, I'm just pulling it back on my because you know I've got quite long hair. And it was just, it was it was sort of under the shoulder blade on the right side of the back. Yeah. It's about David Ginola length, I for those who don't it. know. I tugged it, and it just, a muscle in my back was like, I do not like this, and I'm going to make sure you know of it. You're going to, reg- you know, you're going to register <laughs> my displeasure. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. So, I realise where I'm coming from is a place of a non-athlete. <laughs> I run out of breath writing athletes out in long form on ha- with handwriting. I get almost, the word. I get almost a sprained wrist from it. Um, 
it's just, yeah. I think Sizem is limited at the moment. And I think giving him that longer match exposed it. And I don't think yeah. Rampage did put enough variety. He had some great bits, like like his, his spine busters and his... Oh, his spine busters look gnarly. Yeah. I do love spine busters. And again, it's another one of those things where I don't think you make the Arn Anderson guy the champ. I think because <laughs> the spine busters. Not just that. He is the brute. He is Arn Anderson, essentially, uh, for the new age. Yeah. Um, I think I just think a Nathan Cruz, specifically Nathan Cruz or Adam Maxted, in this role would have is a greater heat generating machine to the general public. I think vanity and you know cockiness One... is he's more easily booable than just he's the rough, tough, rugged guy you know well is he though because this is the problem well that was he's the thing. got he's, he's, never... he's stuck in two camps yeah he's one half the rough like rugged man who who can like who will just batter people for fun but then he's got two layers of protect pick one yeah just, just exactly pick a, a that's type why of i would have had him in the shah samuels role to nathan cruz or adam Maxford. and here's another problem with rampage and Oh, this is going to sound very simplistic of me, um, and some would say very like Vince McMahon esque of me sometimes. But ha- is he the right height to be like a bullying heel to Justin Sizem? He looks like he's about six foot one, six foot two. He's thick. He's got. That, he's thick. He's, he's Taz like. You know what I mean? He's oh, like a no, Taz. He's much taller than Taz, and he's yeah. But you know, no, no, no. no I'm just. I'm saying. Taz, I'm but... saying in thickness. Mm. Taz was thick. Yeah, is my well, point. In more ways than one. That was a harmonium. With two, he's thick with two Nope, it's the other one. Ah! <laughs> um, but it was just, like uh, I said, it was just really, really basic heels and all that sort of stuff. Um, nothing, nothing new was done throughout that whole thing. And that's what bothered me with Alex Shane saying, I challenge you to find anything more like, anything quite like this anywhere else. Don't dare people who've only watched this wrestling to watch other wrestling. Because they not... will easily find better wrestling from either the WWE, who do do a better product than this, even with all the problems that we have with it right now. Just on a production level's point, if nothing else. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, WWE's got production on lock, though. That's that's a little like, unfair. But... Even then, storylines are better. Characters are better. Presentation's better. The show is... Raw, even in its current state, is a better show than WS. Okay, it's three hours, but I'll take one hour of Raw over that hour. Any of the any of the three hours of Raw I'd rather watch than an hour of WOS. Whatever. Maybe episode nine, because I thought that was a genuinely good episode. Yeah. Like, there was not... Like, I would recommend that episode to people who don't watch... Like they say, if I have to watch one episode of WOS, I would have said episode nine, and I would have thought there's a chance they'll enjoy that from the start. And it's like how we say, if casual fans watch one WWE pay per view, it's usually the Royal Rumble mm. for like a nostalgia and b it's so easy to follow. So the show ends with Justin Sizem as the champ, and uh, Stu Bennett comes out to give him the belts, and Rampage shoves, and so Stu Bennett gives him the ball hammer. Yeah, it's um, it's a, it, it's it was good to see the bull hammer. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know when it leaves Bennett. Again, I think I think if the show had been a hit, he would have offered to come back as an in ring performer at that point. Yeah, if it was a hit, then he would have you know, 
Because I think Bennett is deliberately avoiding wrestling, A, for his own health, and because I think he wants to find other acting opportunities, and B, I think he thinks it's a way to keep his value up. Because mm. people have got people have paid to see him live in commissioner roles for Defiant and for WOS and all that, and just speaking engagements and the autograph circuits where wrestlers are making a lot of money without having to hurt themselves. I mean, that's what the young bucks get to do for half the time that they're traveling. They just do autograph signings nowadays. Um, well, it, it's a whole, it's the old wrestling adage: don't take bumps you don't need to. Yeah, and, and Bennett is a very good doing that because he was the you know that was one of the things that actually really bothered me when i whenever i went to the itv hub to pick wos wrestling the three people that are on that thing are bennett shane and socal val the commentators and i understand their logic of doing it i guess i think if you do the x factors you do the judges they're the ones that are on it every week but yeah, but I commentators ain't just, judges. Yeah, it's just one of those things where I think that's a bit insulting to the wrestlers who are actually doing all the hard work. Yeah, mind you, I guess sometimes when they show like um, promo clips for like Ninja Warrior, it is the presenters because mind you, that's because oh, yeah, they're, yeah, the yeah, they're the constants. They're the constants, and that's their lo- and that was what I think would be their logic for having it just be those three because they're the only ones that will be on every episode. Or you could have just crammed what? it with a shot of like twenty of the wrestlers or something, you know. And then one person's left out. Yeah, yeah. Always. Again, it would be Joe Hendry or something. Um, um, I think we've talked... Do you get where I'm coming from, though? I know that you said it was the best thing, but and I realise I've I, I, yeah. said, you're wrong and this is why. why? But... <laughs> no, I, I do take the points about the match length. Um, I also added the caveat, as I say, that I am a sucker for this kind of match. Um, it's not the length, mate. It's how you use it that counts. You know? Yeah. I think... Uh, if they'd put like an extra like bell and whistle on it, maybe Sizem wouldn't have. But then you go into some, that's the, that's the flip side. Removed. Yeah, but that's the flip side. Then you go into overkill territory. I think it sat okay. What I will say though is that you remember that this is supposed to be for a mainstream audience who don't really watch wrestling. And I remember yeah. when CJ Banks pulled the ref out when he's about to slap the three. I think after um, Sizem had done the discus forearm. Um... <laughs> A woman in the front row, like, jumped up in shock and, like, couldn't believe what she'd seen. So, for a lot of people, that was probably the first time they'd seen a match using that kind of booking and those distractions and entrances and everything that we've seen ad nauseum for the last 20 years or so. You know, I always say that, like, if you were to look at some of the most um, artistically influential matches, everyone always says The Undertaker versus Mankind at the Hell in a Cell. But I actually think the main event that he'd had the month before, Dude Love against Steve Austin at Over the Edge, is probably every bit as um, influential because that was when it was the overbooking of the main event of 15,000 different things. And, you know, as the match went on, Vincent Man said, This is a reminder that this match is a Falls Count Anywhere match. And JR, Since when? Since when? Now? That's not right. <laughs> You know, all those sort of things. And that's basically what this match was, almost. It was it was Russo-esque, in, in a way, with the different interferences over the course of the match. We won't go that far. Well, yeah. No, no, nothing, no one was on a forklift. No one was on a pole. There was only one turn. It's not Russo-esque. It was Russo-esque in that the writers had too much influence over the course of the match. Okay, okay, okay. You've walked that back a little bit. I, 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 I agree. I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I think Sizem was exposed a little bit, and not in the way that I'm sure a lot of people would like to expose Justin Sizem. Um, Wait. You can't dispute him, man. He's a good-looking dude. He, he, is a, he is a gorgeous man. He's got this jawline. It's incredible. You could grate cheese graters on his abs. 
<laughs> just little bits of metal just falling <laughs> off. Getting into people's eyes. Ah! <laughs> He's a. Oh, why are we using him as an angle grinder? He's a man. <laughs> well, what a man. Um, <laughs> I think we've talked enough about the two episodes specifically, mainly because we had like less specific points to look at, um, because there were less matches. Fewer. We are at the end now. <laughs> uh, it's it's morbid. Um, so one. Yeah. Well. Yeah. One, we've sort of we've pretty much answered this question already. Do you think there will be a season no. two? And two, if there were to be a season two, what things would you change to make it better? Well, you get rid of whoever's been in charge of writing it. You get some people involved in wrestling to sit down with the editors and the camera people saying, these are the angles that, you know, genuinely get someone like Bruce Pritchard if you have to. As much as he can pay, be annoying, pay big as money. much as he can be annoying, get Bruce Pritchard to say, "This is how we produce wrestling shows. These are the camera angles that we use. This is how frequently we like to edit between shots. These particular moves. These are the best ways that you film them. You know, yeah. So better production. Here's when the camera needs to stay. Yeah, yeah. or in one place. or go to look at people. Go to the rest of the British guys. I feel like I feel like they entrusted everything to Alex Shane and maybe a lot of these people that we didn't recognise, like your Liam Slaters and your Robbie X's. Maybe they're people who are in. Maybe they're people in Alex Shane's world of uh, British wrestlers that we don't know as much because we know more the progress PCW, Rev Pro, ICW, internet friendly, internationally renowned wrestling. Whereas you know. Maybe it's not Alex Shane. I'm just picking on Alex Shane because he's like a visual figurehead. Maybe it's someone because he's the only wrestling book yeah. you've seen. Yeah, that's been involved in it, and he was like, and because he was doing voiceovers and all that, that suggests he was involved in the post production aspect of it as well. Um, yeah, and I can't. I don't have a problem with Alex Shane really. If he was, if he was the brains behind all of this, I would dispute his wrestling storytelling capabilities. And from what I understand, when he ran like. FWA and all that sort of stuff. A lot of fans essentially went away as it went on because of some of his booking decisions. I think he's a very good promoter. I don't know that he's that good a writer. Yeah, they are very separate things. Yeah, It's like, you know, it's not all the great footballers make great managers. And not all the great managers make great footballers. And in the case of Jose Mourinho, it's a bit of both. (laughs) (laughs) At least these days, Jose Mourinho. Um... I just got to give them more time, fewer matches, three matches at a max most shows, but don't overrun it. Like I said, I think the Justin Sizer match was probably too much for it, especially for a mainstream audience. I don't think a mainstream ITV audience wants to watch a match that's more than maybe 12 to 13 minutes, and I think the Sizer and Rampage match probably went 15 to 18. Um... Or if you do, you've got to have it with more people like Will Ospreys of this world or something like that. Give the women more to work with. You have to give the women more to work with. Also, this was a key thing. Get any of those wrestlers onto other shows as much as possible. Joe Hendry or Martin Kirby should have been getting booked on Celebrity Juice or A League of Their Own. Or, you know, get them on, get get Viper on this morning or Lorraine, talking to Lorraine. Kelly. Some of them were on this morning, but it was before they did the one-off special. Yeah, I know that they, uh, they had Charles Samuel and Al Ligero. And Zach Gibson on as well. Yeah. Yeah, and 
but the problem is they want them to do like all the wrestling personalities and I always think it's a better idea in those environments like do it when I loved watching Hulk Hogan on TV AM and it's not because the problem is that when Zach Gibson came out he was like Liverpool's number one which is you know he's fantastic but it kind of looks cheesy in that world when he's not when he's just bouncing off of cheery ITV <laughs> Philip Schofield so I think what works in those instances is where you kind of get the real person behind it and when Hulk Hogan was on those shows, he wasn't, hey, brother, this is Hulk Hogan. It was the Hulk Hogan who talks like this. And he says, I like, you know, we're doing, it's sports entertainment. It's there for the kids. And have I told you my opinion on the blood? No, we don't want to hear that, Hogan. <laughs> and, um, can I tell you Cena, so it's like Cena on um, the talk shows. Yeah. He always came across very well, yeah. very smooth. Yeah, even when, like, Triple H was a heel, if he go on Conan, he kind of, mockingly be a heel like they they, yeah. they, they emphasize the tongue-in-cheek aspect of wrestling um you've got to steer into the skid yeah um, so they needed to make it more part of the british you can't just it's of its own entity outside of it and you want british wrestling to be integrated into it like i always thought back in the 2000s i remember like you know heat magazine would always have their torso of the week thing and i would have made if i was the british wrestling show and heat magazine was still a big deal I would have made a feud between two guys, a heel and a face, arguing over who should be torso of the week in Heat magazine. Max Tedd Yeah, yeah, Max Tedd Nathan Cruz is the Maybe Reese. Yeah. Or you could do it comedically and have it turn out that Nathan Cruz is like, like every week. Adam Max Tedd said week after week, he's trying to get the heat. He's been calling the Heat offices, wanting to be their torso of the week. And then Heat magazine give it to Grado or something. And he's absolutely yeah. horrified at that. You know? Integrate it into British culture. You know, so that then you get it being talked about on Have I Got News For You and, and these people become shorthand characters like Kendo Nagasaki was, like Giant Haystacks was, like Big Daddy was, like Mick McManus was. You know, they were shorthand people that even if you weren't into wrestling, you might hear their names mentioned in other shows, you know? That's what you... And, and um, give the women more more promos, more backstage things... More time for characters. Um, yeah, I just... This, it's really obvious, obvious stuff that we've been saying throughout the whole thing. Less wrestling in your wrestling show. I think I, was, I made... I know that I made the analogy in my reviews. This is like having the Great British Bake Off be entirely baking for almost the the whole show. No banter. No deal or no deal. No banter. You don't, you don't hear the contestants say anything. You just watch them baking... And Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxic observe it from afar instead of actually chatting to them and you getting to know each of them. Padding is an essential part of television. You look at Naked Attraction. If you took away the padding, that is just like six people in boxes, like just being unveiled in front of someone. Naked Attraction, I've no desire to do that personally. Um... (laughs) it's a charlie brooker joke that actually became real you know yeah. oddly compelling yeah uh, it's yeah, a good pleasure of mine i'll take your word for it uh, um, i can't i can't even begin to imagine how terrible that show the circle is it's not so that. much like a cocaine infused studio execs big pitch <laughs> i just can't even imagine well, whilst we're shitting on um, circle-based television, this Five Golden Rings, this new quiz show on ITV, have you seen it? I've seen one that seems to have ripped off money in the bank almost. Well, I guess it's more deal or no deal, where there's <laughs> three different cases with three different values on them. And... Ah, it's more feast or fired. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. 
is it? Um, but know, it's... Yeah, it was already there. Actually, I'm wondering now if they got the Money in the Bank briefcase idea off of Deal or No Deal. Which one was first? Well, 21 was 2005. So I think maybe WWE came up with it before it was on Deal or No Deal. Yeah. And Deal or No Deal always went with boxes, to be fair, not cases. No, but the American version, it was briefcase. Because in the American version, of it was all women holding briefcases. One of them with a whole solid case of gold. Oh, gold. oh gold is super heavy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, all, all of your uh, crit- criticisms are criticisms, as you say, we've already highlighted. The only... I would say you need a bit more of a blend because we mentioned it on a previous episode. Everyone had the same moves. Yeah, it was really, really fundamentals. Like, I might do a word count for how many times, going back on my match reports, how many times an Enziguri was used. Enziguri, back suplex, uh, reg suplex, drop kicks. Um, Quite a few people had topes, but to be fair, in their defense, WWE are worse fenders than they were. Um, Ah, Tope is such a diluted move now. Dive-looted mood, man. Hey. Especially um, after what Bella's doing to it recently. Yeah. <laughs> her, her and, um, her and um, Justin Sizem have a dive-off. Yeah, although Justin Sizem has oh, never... celebrity in- involvements. They should have had celebrities appear on that show. People from The Only Way is Essex or Made in Chelsea or have one of Adam Max- Maxted's... Love Island turn up. I think and maybe have him be at like a heel, like he's giving Nathan Cruz, you know, maybe he's giving Nathan Cruz advice behind his back on his weaknesses or something. Yeah, um, yeah, something like that. Just, Another thing I would I have think... done, uh, how they mic the matches would have been different. Ironically, having just tried to fix <laughs> my microphone, I think we should have been able to hear the wrestlers and the crowd better. The commentators were always mic'd a bit too high. When the wrestlers were saying something funny or, or doing something, interacting with the crowd or whatever, it was hard to hear what they were saying, either because they weren't mic'd in comparison to the others, or the commentators were just constantly talking over them. Also, just maybe be able to hear the crowd more. And like I said, this was one idea I had. I think they should actually mic certain members of the crowd, like Gogglebox, like uh, Britain's Got Talent, and have them little say just little things to each other as maybe a baby face is making an entrance or something. Just personalise it more. Uh, I, I, that idea just doesn't sit quite right with me. Because I think it's Gogglebox not a thing that you've seen in wrestling before, but it works on ITV. It worked, well, it seems to have worked with Gogglebox for some unearthly reason. Yeah. Hey, you um, watch Naked Attraction, so you can't comment. Hey, hey, we've all got voices. You'd rather what I'm you'd saying... rather watch people talk about bollocks as opposed to talking bollocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, would. I would. I no. would. I'm not ashamed of that. <laughs> no, you know what? No, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand my ground on this. Naked Attraction is far more a standardised TV show than people watching other people watch TV. Only one TV show can do that, and that's Soccer Saturday. And that's only because they legally have to. Commenting culture is huge, man. Like. How many YouTube channels are dedicated just to people reacting to things? 
So reactions are important, and wrestling provokes reactions. Like, there was a moment where Martin Kirby yelled something at someone in the crowd that really provoked a reaction. And it was probably just like your classic, shut up, you old bag, which was what all the, you know, the little old ladies in the crowd used to have yelled at them, you know. I am annoyingly going to back you up here, because one of the times I saw um, Leicester Championship Wrestling, uh, there was a German wrestler... Uh, and he was obviously getting, obviously, the old uh, bit of a stick. And the, the crowd was a little bit flat throughout the match. Mm. He was dominating the, the baby face. Um, and some oh, oh, middle-aged to older woman said something to him. And he just leaned straight through the rope and just shouts at the top of his lungs, shut up, you ugly cow. And the crowd was me like, oh! <laughs> It's just true, but you didn't to he, he says the words, he says the thoughts we would never say out loud. What was your response? Did we? Did, did anyone do the classic two World Wars and one World Cup? Two World Wars and one World Cup. <laughs> he was getting, I can't remember, he was getting a lot of stereotypical stuff. I but... loved all the stories about like when Progress was just starting all the chants that Gnome Dar got. Deep fried Mars bars. Deep fried Mars bars. You know when they do the streamers thing, he had like yeah. shortbread biscuits thrown at him. And all that <laughs> sort of stuff. That's another thing. Lean into the humour. Grado was really the only one. Grado, Martin Kirby, and Joe Hendry were the only ones that were really allowed to use humour. There should be like a whole segment dedicated to something humorous every single episode. Because we Brits value our, we Brits value our humour either like there's other ways of doing humor i mean some of the braun Strowman's like yeah uh stuff when he's got like the massive double bass when he's mocking elias yeah. just little things like that yeah yeah yeah. and also just um you have yeah and, and i think also in employing humor that kind of points out that they're in on the joke as well that maybe has a bit of teasing fun at wrestling will draw in that crowd again because there is people who watch wrestling that find it ridiculous and if you show that to them they'll be like oh wait you're in on the joke too. You know it's inherent ridiculousness as well. Yeah. Maybe I'll give this more of a chance. It's not going to get one though, is it? No. That's this is. Seriously, though, Rev Pro's about to go on TV, isn't it? It's got to deal with a Freeview channel. Oh, okay. Is that I'll the? That's the new sports channel, isn't it? The yeah. one that's got hockey games and such. Yeah. No, no, I think that's a different thing. But I know what you're talking about. That's Eleven Sport, isn't it? That's just reached no, the deal with, Sport... um, with um. No, Eleven UFC. Sport is the one that stripped away. Oh god, it's got UFC as well, has it? Eleven Sports is the one that's basically stripped away a lot of what mm. ITM, not ITV, BT and Sky Sports had. It's took uh, Syria. It's took La Liga. It's took Premiership that's, Rugby, that's and that's it's took UFC. Yeah, that's the same thing that's getting to be. A... WFC. It's free sports. They're going to be on free sports. Free sports. Are they the ones that showed five star wrestling as well? Yes. Yeah, yeah they are. Yeah. Um, it's oh, it's really annoying with like eleven sports, and this is like my argument about like things are getting stripped away and and such. But if they're going to put wrestling on it, yeah, cool. I'm I'm happy for wrestling being on free view. Um, TNA's episodes and, on challenge and because it's on that biggest... it doesn't have to really bother with appealing to a larger wide stream audience my, mainstream no, the audience people who want it will find it so it's a, it'll be allowed to be a wrestling show it'll be allowed to be a wrestling show and it will be for wrestling fans because that's the thing like I'm sure the guys involved in WOS could have a lot of them could have just said okay we'll put on a wrestling show for wrestling fans and it would have been different they knew that they had to do something different but what they did wasn't different enough and what they did was still too much wrestling 
It just didn't, it wasn't going to please anyone. And that was the problem thing. They were trying to please everyone, and they're not going to please and anyone. And failed pleasing anyone. Yep. It was like... Uh, That's why I've always argued that maybe it's harder to be Coldplay than it is to be Radiohead. Because Radiohead just have to follow what they like. Whereas Coldplay have to try and figure out what everyone likes. They've got to think about other people. Do you get where I'm coming cynical. from? Bit cynical on Coldplay's part. I'd say it's like being uh, One Direction. Want be, Coldplay want to be the biggest band in the world. If you want Yo, to be the biggest band in the world, you can't just follow your own artistic instincts. Because no one's artistic instincts exactly fit a large swathe of the general public's. I don't know, Elvis, Jackson, Beatles. They were just following. Th- they were they were into things that didn't yet blow up. They made people get into their stuff. There was no t- there was no real definition of what pop music was at that point. I'm just saying, like Coldplay have to listen to songs that are in the top forty. I guarantee you, Radiohead have. I remember when Tom York was doing a gig in like 2001, and he didn't know what Jerry Halliwell's name was. You know, so whereas you know, I'm sure. Coldplay can probably name all the members of Little Mix or whoever they are. <laughs> the, reason, the reason Little Mix came to mind was because I was in Orkney uh, on my holidays a few days ago and there was a Little Mix tribute act that were playing there. They'd sold out. Not much to do in Orkney, is there? Well, this is, you know, no, to be fair, they've got a good cinema. They've got plenty. Of, there's more people in Orkney than you would expect. There's 21,000 people there. Oh, okay. Um,. It's lovely, beautiful land, and I was—I'd had a lovely time traveling the North Highlands, and, and everyone was very pleasant. Like you pass someone in the streets, and they'd say hello to you, and you know they'd strike up a conversation if they wanted, if you if you were up for it, which I never really was. But you know, um, <laughs> but the option was there. Yeah, the option which is was nice. There. And so I remember when I arrived at Orkney as well, and there's the beautiful landscapes and everything. And I'm in the second largest town, Stromness, and I was sitting in their library. It was a very nice little library. And I just thought, like, these places have more of a sense of community. And they are, like, Orkney was polled as, like, the happiest people in the UK a while ago. Or the most content people in the UK. And I thought, maybe in the countryside and these sort of areas, it is a happier, slower, quieter life. And these are people that aren't as stressed out and as worried about everything as you kind of encounter when you go to your Londons or your Birmingham's or your Glasgow's or your Manchester's. Or, you know, like, I'm taking the commute to Coventry and I'm kind of encountering those... Eyes down, don't talk to me, I don't want to deal with anyone, the world is stupid now, let me try desperately to earn £50,000 a year long enough to enjoy a retirement before I have the heart attack. You know, <laughs> so maybe Orkney is the better way of living, and maybe there is just a, 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 a gentler kind of person there. No word of a lie, I then passed a local native on the computer in the library on a Reddit page with the front page saying, The Jews are behind mass immigration! Oh, jeez. So I realised, no, there's fuckheads everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I was not expecting that. <laughs> Nor was I when I saw it. <laughs> Massive oh, I'll tell you this. Orkney's more multicultural than I expected. But it ain't got mass immigration going yeah. on at the moment. No one's, no one's going there. No, some are. Actually, Inverness is like the most moved to city in the UK at the moment. Or it was a few years ago. I don't know if that slowed down. But, like, more people proportionally were moving to Inverness than any other city in the UK. It's metal. The things we're learning on this podcast today. Because we don't want to talk about WOS anymore. And we won't be after this. I mean, that's crazy. 
the saddest thing about this is if WOS had been a hit, because it had forced WWE's hand twice, first in January last year with the tournaments, and then this Do you think that would have happened year. without Jim Ross? What, what Jim Ross being on the pilot. I think they would have done it anyway. They would have been aware of what ITV had as potential. Maybe Jim Ross going there alerted them to it more, but Jim Ross is never going to draw a large audience. You know that wasn't the fear. Um, but I mean the fact he, the fact that he was attaching himself to mind you, he did WCPW. Yeah, he I did guess all those so. he was just doing anything that they were offering him work. You know, and now he's with New Japan. It's not like they're suddenly, you know, there's no WWE Japan being announced anytime soon. Oh, they know they can't do that. Yeah. Um, it's too different. Look, the UK scene is the third hottest scene in WW, in, in wrestling for the WWE. After Canada and America, it's the UK. Ahead of Australia. Yes, the thing, the reason that they're going to Australia and Saudi Arabia are that is because those are like government funded as well. Like they're putting yeah. up the money for it. But they know the UK is their, their, like their third biggest market. Even more the than the state when it comes to American culture. Yeah, exactly. So it's the most easily translatable. And there's just this ridiculous pool of talent. I haven't given you my theory, actually, which is I think that one of the reasons the WWE UK fans can often be amongst the more of the smarter end of the spectrum, the snarkier, smarter end of the spectrum. Here's my theory. Because WWE was available to people in the UK only through Sky Television, and that's still the case, Sky Sports and all that. In order to have Sky Sports, you need to be relatively financially affluent or willing to fork out money, you know, in spite of your lack of financial affluence. Maybe WWE, from the 80s, from the late 80s onward, has always attracted a more middle-class audience compared to um, the WWE in the States, which was always a more working-class audience. And so there's Maybe. the individual class's tendencies, like myself, to over-intellectualize things, although my own, so- my own social class status is something that I've always been a little bit confused by, but I think, as I think a lot of people are of our generation. I think it's more a case of um, a lot of people who didn't have it, uh, and, and the time slot it's on, meant you actually have to work, like, you have to work in the UK mm. to watch wrestling. It's it's not on at it, like watch WWE yeah. rather. Yeah. It's not on at a friendly time slot. Mm. It's not readily available to a lot of people. A lot of people have to torrent or pirate. Um, but, but before then, before then, it was tapes. Mm. Like you, you got a tape off a mate. But I do think I do think wrestling has become more middle class and metropolitan, and that's why all these WrestleMania shows are successful because suddenly they're they're attracting people that have thousands of pounds to plonk down to go and see it or they don't necessarily have that money but they're willing to fork that out whereas whereas the old jim Cornette days you're going after the same crowd that only come you know in the back in those days you used to bring home 200 dollars a week and that's why the wrestling show would be only five dollars each and they go to the auditorium whereas now like wos wrestling are trying to sell tickets at 35 quid or something and that's again a problem because they're not going to attract that audience I think it's only like twenty five. They're cheap seats. I did check again the other day. Actually, can't imagine. I'd be. I wouldn't be surprised that those shows were cancelled. I really wouldn't. I'd like to see what they what to how many tickets they've sold. I'd be curious also what the lineup of the matches would be. Would it just be rematches? Would it just be Grado and Bulldog against Sabian and Reese? Would it be Sizem against Rampage? 
I can't speak to the actual makeup of the the card, but they did do on the site at some point saying on the site now they are saying who's scheduled to appear. Mm. Uh, let me just bring it up just for the sake of research. D D D D. Okay, sorry, I'm just going on to the page now. Just bear with me. We are so prepared. Okay, so. Here we go. So performing, <clears throat> I've picked the first show, the Southampton show. Mm. So performing, Justin Sizem, Rampage, Grado, Max Dead, Viper, Crater, Osprey, Hendry. Osprey. Yep. Okay, if they've got Osprey, maybe they will do all right. Robbie X, Kaylee Ray, Cruz, and Char Samuels. Osprey makes me think they might get a bit of an audience then. They might do all right. Osprey is down... For every single day. Osprey's, Osprey's big on trying to make wrestling... Because he really wants to make the wrestling scene in Australia big as well. I think he was even talking to moving there for a yeah. while. Um, Obviously, I do have to add the caveat that Lionel Subject to Change yes. is something that they've written Well, I there. guess I assume that means if New Japan suddenly say we need you for this, then he'll have to go there. Whether it's either for New Japan uh, or Ring of Honor, because he recently yeah. made events against Jay Lethal, didn't he? And he seems like he's being prepared for a push-up to the heavyweights. That's actually something I was thinking of making a prediction for next year. Because our next episode to record, I believe, that you'll hear, listeners, is um, our review of 2018. Um, Unless we want to sneak in an extra episode or two of regular Let Me Tell You Something in between. But we're kind of... Or something major happens as well. But our recording schedule's pretty packed at the moment. (laughs) Anyway, with our next big project... Um, I I was wondering if, you know, because like I said, I've been writing reviews, maybe I'll do when NXT UK starts airing, I could do a weekly recap of that. That'll probably be us being a bit more positive, you would assume, because they have got a more... Ha! It's harsh yeah. to say more talented roster, but if your roster does have British Strong Style, Tony Storm, um, Zach Gibson, El Liguero, Dave Mastiff, Wolfgang... You have got a more talented roster for the most part than um, the WOS roster. I think the look the this is the if we want to just go back to WOS now and kind of make our summarizing thoughts. The saddest thing I think about WOS not working and probably not coming back. If it had been a hit, then I would have said there would be maybe up to forty British wrestlers that would have been able to make a good living off of wrestling in this country. Just wrestling. Just wrestling. Instead, because WOS is probably a flop that will not come back, at best, maybe a dozen will. Ah, It is sad. Um, And as I say... The WWE will hold all the cards down. There are. I have seen some comments online that are saying that this has probably done more damage to British wrestling than it has done good. I don't. I don't agree with that. I think it's made. Yeah, I think. That, I think I, we, we I, kind of debated this ahead of time on Messenger. Like, I think the fact that WOS might have no impact on the UK wrestling scene is even more damning than it having a negative impact. And by that, I mean it's a negative. That it wasn't a success, but I don't think it's driven anyone away from it 
and has barely drawn anyone else into it. Well, it's it, like a zero-sum game. I think if that's the right expression, I don't think that is the right expression. It's hard to argue that when it's lost eighty percent of his audience, though. Yeah. Well, look at it this way: they got two hundred thousand people watching that episode. Progress almost drew five thousand people to Wembley Arena, so Progress attracted more than like two percent of the TV audience of an ITV One show. And they were, and those people were having to fork out 20, 30 quid to go and see that, and they had to travel to London to do that. And progress is viewable pretty much only online if you can't get there live. That's pretty insulting. You have ITV1, and you're drawing numbers that don't really dwarf what progress must be able to... Because if you think about it, maybe, if you want to be generous, 20%... Of the people that are aware of Progress were at that show, maybe, and that's like if you want to be really kind to WOS. <laughs> um. Okay. So we've like pretty saying, WOS was like kind of not going to be of interest to a Progress fan. So if you're going to draw those people away, you what's the overlap on the Venn diagram? Yeah. yeah, I get what you're saying. Okay, so we've established what the future of British wrestling on TV isn't, and it isn't WOS in our eyes. Oh. Uh, you've obviously mentioned the Rev Pro deal. Um, where does British wrestling on TV go from here then? The problem that you have is that with TV comes exclusivity deals, and the WWE will just tie down as many people as they can to exclusivity deals until there's no other game in town, essentially. Or British wrestlers have a have some not 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 have some balls, that's the harsh way to put at it. They've got to make an, a difficult business decision. It's a very difficult business decision and especially in a in a realm. Yeah. Uh it's not and like act, it's not like have more chips now. Yeah, it's not like acting uh in the sense that, you know, you can do things for the, for the pure artistic love of it. Wrestlers have that in them. But it's more than just that. Um, I, I act, I actors don't break necks. Actors yeah, don't have exactly. like years taken off their career in like a single misstep. Yeah. Um, you I have. Want, I want more. I, I I feel more emotionally invested in wrestlers making a good living, especially wrestlers that I have. Not even wrestlers that I love. Like wrestlers in general, I want as many people that take that kind of a risk to their body for their love of an art form that I love as well. But obviously their passion exceeds mine. I won't dispute that for a second. I want as many of those people to be as successful as possible. It's the old adage, um, because they are athletes. And athletes are very, very, well, in this day and age, perhaps overtly compensated um, for their ability. Only in a select few within a select few sports. Yeah. But that's it. Like, I I always think footballers get a harsh treatment, because I think... If a footballer didn't make it, I still think the majority of those footballers, if they had to play in League Two or in National Conference North, if they can get selected, they will go there. Yeah. If something had gone wrong for Jack Wiltshire earlier than it has done, he would still... But he was good enough to play for Solihull Moors... He'd be out there right now playing. Like, there's an alternative reality out there where Jack Whitehall, where um, Jack Wiltshire, Jack Whitehall, that'd be a different one entirely. <laughs> where Jack Wiltshire's playing football for Solihull Moors or a team of that equivalent size, you know? 
I think athletes sometimes get a bit of unfair stick. Yeah. Even the successful ones. But you I, know what I mean? Like, the majority, like, you look at the Olympics, nearly everyone involved in the Olympics is not making millions and millions from what no. they're doing. It's a labour of love. Yeah. And those that are making millions, if they were in a sport, like, say golf wasn't as opulent as it is, there's still plenty of people, as long as they were made aware of golf, that would be doing it even if they weren't making the money from it. Yeah. Like, you look at what the people had to... Like, you look at um, uh, what the... Uh, what are the, what are their names? The two brothers in the Foxcatcher movie that um, you know the amateur wrestlers, Mark Ruffalo and Channing Tatum play them. Schultz, the Schultz brothers. Thank you. It's they mad, that. got their gold medals before that movie starts, and they're in shitty rinky dink gyms and that. After they've got their gold medals, and they're still putting themselves through it for the love of what they do. Mm. So, you know, <clears throat> it's like I wrote a book, and the hourly rate I got paid for it, if you look at book sales, is not. It's not know, a fantastic. No, it's not. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't earned minimum wage on that book. But I'm as proud as Punch that I wrote it. You've achieved something. Yeah, yeah. And, and weirdly, like, as soon as I wrote it, I was able to kind of walk away from it. We're really going off off the off the point of conversation, really. But, but, no, like, but this this links to like wrestlers deserve compensation because what yeah. they do to themselves will limit their opportunities to make a living in other ways anyway. And this is why we don't begrudge them making financial based choices. Nor yeah. should you really you begrudge an athlete yeah. making a financial based choice. ECW you sold out thing was bullshit at the time. Yeah, you, know. you sold out. You but really not, you, I may have sold out, but you, your merch money wasn't buying my house. WWE's will. The young boxes are. <laughs> there you go. Well, I think we need to reserve that maybe more for the year in review. Let's go back to the WOS thing. It will be an afterthought. It'll be a thing like it's like when I bring up celebrity wrestling. Sometimes people go, "Oh fuck yeah!" Yeah. I actually think celebrity wrestling will probably be more remembered than W this version of WOS wrestling will. At least to non-wrestling fans. Maybe, maybe. Non-wrestling fans are probably aware of celebrity wrestling in the same way that you're aware of um, The Farm. You know, that Channel 4 reality show where that lass who had an affair with David Beckham wanked the cow. Rebecca Lose, you're thinking. Rebecca Lose, there we go. That's what celebrity wrestling was. WOS wrestling will probably be like, I don't know, fucking the first version of Love Island. Yeah... Uh, it's really like we we tried so so hard not to be so negative. I want it to come back. I want it. I want it to come back. I want it to be yeah. written differently and shot differently. But well, I even want take it to come back. this version of WOS if it means these wrestlers are still making money. Oh yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. We don't. We want wrestling to do well. <laughs> Like the more things we have to talk about, it's better for us fundamentally, and the more things we have to watch as fans, it's just better for everyone. There be choice, better, but it's it's it, it's not better or worse; it's different. Yeah, but, but variety is the spice of life. So sometimes in that sense, it is better. Sometimes it's sometimes it's paralyzing. There's too much to choose from, and so you don't make any choices. I'm massively behind on a lot of my TV shows. Exactly. So I, do, I do subscribe to that theory to, to an extent as well. 
And uh, you know, and I don't even have a TV tuned in, and I've still got so many things. Way, <laughs> that's the rare twofer. Mm. <laughs> um, to an extent, not tuning my TV in has oh, helped me. <laughs> <laughs> but my our point is, we're not being morbid because we enjoy this. We we don't enjoy being well, this morbid. A little, a little <laughs> bit. A little but bit. We're British, we and we're supposed to. Yeah. But we're we're not we're not here. We didn't set out to assassinate or run down World of Sport. It's just what World of Sport presented to us wasn't what we thought good wrestling should be. I'm happy to run down the people involved in the productive production and creation. Oh yeah, side of. oh the editing people, I will happily like run them down. Yeah. Jesus Christ, they're well. Inferior. I think even them may they may not be responsible. They're just whoever ITV hired. But if they said, oh, we know exactly how to edit wrestling and, and, like, we don't need to listen to anyone, then fuck you. You know, but we don't know enough. Maybe maybe in the years to come. It's like they, they did a panel. Some of them did a panel at the Wrestling Media Con and they were, they tried to be very, the wrestlers tried to be very positive about it and said they loved what the production people were doing. And I'm sure when the show doesn't get recommissioned, maybe some of them will be more willing to speak out about that. Yeah. You don't shit where you eat. No. <sighs> Do we have anything else left to add to this? Um, it's been a journey. Have you enjoyed what... Enjoy is not the right word. Look, put it this way. If we weren't doing this podcast, when do you think you'd have tapped out? Two or Week two or three, I think. Okay, here's go, here goes some things. Name... Three wrestlers that you thought, or three acts that you thought, really did themselves a, um, a world of good. That they did themselves justice, or as close as they came to be able to do themselves justice. Uh, Robbie X. Yep. Uh, Martin Kirby. Mm-hmm. Third one. Grado. I would go if I've got to get, choose different ones. Sabian and Reese. I'm going to take them as a twofer. Um, Shah Samuels, I thought, did some very good work as a, like the henchman backup, and he did. He was one of the few people that got the chance to do a bit of a promo to the camera and everything. And Crater, actually, almost, yeah. I think Crater was the one that came closest to thinking this could take off with the general public. Mm. I think the stupid uh, added afterwards in post roaring sound was really dumb. I think the unmasking thing was massively dumb as yeah, well. Yeah, him losing like his last three episodes he was on TV, he lost in each of them. He lost the handicap match, he lost the mask match, and then he lost to Justin Sizem. If anything, like I said, you can kind of like, if you almost said, oh, okay, here's one, here's one for you actually. We'll see if we can get this as quick to as uh, condensed as we can. Um, If you were given access to the editing facilities they'd shown you those 10 episodes but they hadn't aired them yet and they said okay we're going to try and fit some segments and some uh, interviews and everything but in order to do that we need to get rid of some matches and some other angles what stuff would you have got rid of uh the kirby grado match as good as it was okay yes because it didn't contribute to either their storylines I disagree with that. I would have kept that because I thought that was a match that would have appealed to the general public more. It was the best use of comedy throughout the whole thing. 
and and you know it doesn't hurt that they can have a self-contained little episode story within it. No, but that's no. fine. That's your that's your opinion. I would have definitely got rid of the triple threat match between Cruz, Hendry, and Sizem. Yeah, because it seems like okay. they wish they got rid of it. <laughs> well, they seemed seem to have said that, or in English, they didn't seem to have acknowledged it. Any any road. Um. <sighs> I would have also binned off. Um... I would have maybe got rid of the um, B Priestley Kaylee Ray match that was just in, interfered with by Viper. Yeah, because that essentially became an angle. In, yeah, in itself. so you can refilm that as something backstage. Uh, I would. <sighs> It's because none of it is like memorable, and a lot of it was taken up with a tag yeah, team I tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah was a, like you could have condensed the tag team tournament down to like a an, an F four team tournament, possibly. Yeah, I'd have. <clears throat> maybe get rid of that. Maybe get rid of that Rampage Joe Hendry match because. Because, well, that did nothing Martin, because Martin Kirby wasn't involved in it, and Martin yeah. Kirby should have been involved in it. Yeah, I'd have. I don't know that triple threat match. I just wrote like I was reading my notes for that. I was just like, what? What was the point? Like in hindsight, um, the women's battle royal. It was. It was probably the worst match of the run. Don't highlight the fact we've only got five women. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like you shouldn't yeah. you shouldn't be pointing that out. That that's a very big misstep. Yeah. And you'd have been healthier for it, I think. But then do we want to like then we've we've already got rid of two of the five matches that the women had overall. Not the women's <laughs> fault though. No, I know, but then like if if we want to give them as much but then you'd replace it with backstage segments. There you go. Yeah, like well we didn't say like we that. had to replace it with male backstage segments. Yeah, yeah. Probably would. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you would. <laughs> <laughs> what this will be, I think, the two biggest takeaways we've got from this is that don't try and please everyone. And I don't know. I think it's all right to try and please everyone because sometimes you'll it'll pay off and you'll you'll make. An album like whatever Ed Sheeran's last album was that everyone seemed to like. Inexplicably, I don't know. I think I, I just don't. I just think they they tried to do all be all things to all men, and it's it's just severely and cost women. them. <laughs> and women, all things to all people. Yeah. Hashtag twenty eighteen. Yeah. Hashtag me too. Um, and don't overstuff your wrestling show with wrestling. Yeah. It's which is kind of. Uh, if you look, if you, if your show is a wrestling card, then yeah, that's what a wrestling show is. If it's a TV show, you got to make it a TV show. British Bake Off is not you filming a, a literal village fate bake sale. Yeah, it's a TV show about baking. That naked attracts isn't just staring at naked people. Ugh, I don't even want to, you know. <laughs> Oh, you hate it. You hate it. You hate it. Well, you know, you want to know why my TV's not tuned in, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, I think Naked Attraction is yeah. a large part of that. I hope no one extends themselves too much on a Naked Attraction. 
hasn't happened as of yet. I think it'd be too awkward. It's like everyone always says, oh, it must be awesome having a sex scene with like Scarlett Johansson. And I imagine for the most part, it really isn't. That is when the boom mic just hits the yeah. back of your head again. Well, I think Samuel L. Jackson said it's basically when you're doing that with a woman, you basically have to say ahead of time, I'm sorry if I do, and I'm sorry if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Cover your bases. Yeah. So, that's basically been it, really. Um, so many people want to get in touch with you. How can they do so? Um... They can get in touch with me on social media, on Facebook, or on Twitter, where I'm known as Simon Quas. Uh, I did a Jonathan Ross there. Or they can get in touch with me on Facebook, or they can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm known as Simon Cross Free. Um, rather optimistically named after the third season of WOS, which <laughs> probably isn't going to happen now. What's happening, yeah. what's happening in that dream third season of WOS? Is Justin Sizem turned heel and... Size of bulldog and a lot of You know, you know, what, he does? You know what he would do would be a great heel spot if you just incise him. You're in a cage match, and instead of grating your opponent's face against the cage wall, you grate, you grate your way your out abs. of the cage. No, you grate it against his abs. Like you take their face <laughs> and just racks it across their own abs. And then, and then he sells it. Blade so that when they turn <laughs> around, they've got blood all over themselves. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> why aren't we booking just this juicing <laughs> things like that things like that why oh god yeah here's one big lesson I do for season 2 of WS don't book a ladder match oh Jesus Christ no. that'd be another match to get rid of immediately that ladder match the Gabriel Kidd one yeah, yeah. and the at Max and Cruz match I wouldn't have made a ladder match yeah but there's no other match they had on TV that you could add to it in post production editing so you'd have to include it but yeah. maybe maybe put it on after the Battle Royal. Or like that, you know, yeah, yeah, something like that. Reorder it. Anyway, so you've had yours. If you want to get in touch with me, it's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for Apple, N for Norbert. That's my Twitter handle. That's my Facebook account. That's my Instagram account. You've been at gmail.com at the end of it. That's my email account. Um... We'll next be talking to you, like I said, unless we do something in between. We'll be coming back late in December with our 2018 in review episode, where we'll look back at some of our predictions that we made ahead of time for the the year. And like I said, as a preview, I think I'll, I'll preview it right now. I think one of my predictions might be, unless it already happens, actually, between October to December, is that Will Ospreay will announce his intention to step up to heavyweights in the New Japan roster, and he will make his G1 Climax debut next year. Mm. Be interesting. Mm. That's one of my... Os- Osprey Ibushi would be uh, intriguing. Well, that's who he said. He said, give me Ibushi. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But until then, and also we've then got, I think we already announced it in our previous episode, but we might as well make a re-announcement. We have already started working on the ultimate... You think this was a hell of a challenge for us to watch uh, 10 episodes of WOS. This is a different kind of thing. This is an overdosing on um, pizzas kind of situation. Um, we are watching every match that we can get our hands on. The the sainted, the beatified... The exalted. The exalted Dave Meltzer has... Sir Dave of Meltzer. Yes, has deigned to give... Five or more stars, too. Um, and we will just discuss 
the matches, their historical context, the matches themselves, what we thought worked, why we might have thought Dave Meltzer had given it five stars, and whether, more importantly of all, our own opinions of whether we thought it was or wasn't a five-star match. Yeah. Um, um, I, won't, I don't want to like give too much away, but as you as you well know with our personalities there have already been some clashing of heads and i'm sure there will be further clashing of heads between yeah. now and like katsuyori shibata against tomohiro ishii kind of back uh, jesus <laughs> no hematobins yet to the, to the best of my knowledge right so we're not blade, we've not made each other blade on the brain then no but until then my name is Lorcan mullen my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a good time until the next time.